0: You're listening to the Gay Radio Collective on eighty-eight point three WCBN FMN Arbor.
1: The views and opinions expressed on WCBN public affairs programming are solely those of the hosts and their guests, and do not necessarily represent those of WCBN as a whole or the licensees of this station. The Regents of the University of Michigan.
0: Welcome to Closets are for Clothes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. We are broadcasting from the Student Activities Building at the University of Michigan campus in Ann Arbor. Tonight is a discussion about social work and training social workers. Laura Sanders is a social worker who has been at it for 21 years, and she works with a wide diversity of uh, individuals, families, and the community. She is also an educator. Laura teaches at the University of Michigan School of Social Work. Her primary uh, focus at University of Michigan is teaching students in Social Work Master's program about the needs of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered people, and These are people who may someday have clients who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. And our discussion is going to be about the course that she teaches, how it fits into the social work program as a whole at the University of Michigan, and how understanding of the needs for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered community is part of an overall effort to create connections between oppressed communities and reduce discrimination. For clarification, during our talk tonight, we are going to be referring to the lesbian, gay, and bisexual and transgender community with an abbreviated name of gay or using the letters LGBT. Laura, hello and welcome to the program.
2: Hi, David. It's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Very glad you can be here tonight. Uh, Tell me, how long have you been a teacher? I've been a teacher since
2: 1996. So I guess 12 years now
0: Uh there at the School of Social Work. And just uh, so in a longer you've been a social worker and uh, you got into teaching at some point during. um...
2: Yes, I started teaching a specific course in
0: child trauma. Mm -hmm. Describe for me just generally the Masters of Social Work program.
2: Well, it's a wonderful program. It um, focuses kind of on four concentrated areas. Um, One is interpersonal practice, which is basically how do you. Um, engage individuals, families, small groups, and communities, um, and working with people on an individual and family, small group uh, basis. And then there is a concentration in community organization, which um, uh, helps to shift and change um, communities and raise awareness in communities, um, especially communities where there is um, uh, discrimination and communities that suffer from discrimination and marginalization. We also train people to um, be administrators in social work um, and uh, to do research and policy uh, so So we're very interested not only in um, helping individuals work through pain and um, crises and social problems that they encounter in in life um, but also in shifting and changing those systems that um, those forces that discriminate against people that cause those pains and and those problems so social work is really we're, we're different than psychologists you know we're not in the business of, of um, just you uh, Dealing with people's um, pains and helping them learn to cope, we're really in the business of trying to shift and change systems um, in our in our world, so that we are um, so that people are not dealing with the kind of discrimination and social, uh, negative social forces that um, create the pain and the problems in the
0: first place. That sounds like a huge responsibility. It
2: is. We, that's why we kind of, you know, we're, we're into changing the world, yeah. social workers. And it's a hard, it's it's a hard yeah. task, and so it's hard to break it down in the school, and and, and we're, we're very interested in, we don't, we try not to keep those four, um, you know, areas separate. We So we in my courses, you know, I'm always trying to um, uh, not only I, I, I teach mostly interpersonal practice. You know, how do you work with individuals, small families, groups? Um, but I always talk about and engage students in community organizing types of um, adventures and projects, and because we we really can't we we really can't work in these little separate um, you know. These, these separate groups, mm-hmm. all of these um, are important foci of uh, social work, and we, we try to mix them and work it, together. And
0: they're all generally related.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now, you teach, you teach several different courses yes. at, at University of Michigan, but one of the ones I want to focus on tonight is specifically your one that addresses uh, educating social workers about the community that we call the LGBT community, the lesbian, right. gay, bisexual, transgender community. Can you describe that course for me, and and how would you describe it to an incoming student who maybe wonders if it's appropriate for them?
2: Well, I'm really honored, actually, to be able to teach this course. Um, I was asked to teach it about six years ago when um, the original instructor, who was a um, a wonderful uh, professor, David Burton at, at U of m uh, left and um, thank you. he was a an ally and uh, of of the LGbt community and so I, I picked up the course about six years ago and um, basically. The course really teaches students affirmative practice principles in working with LGBT people. How do you work with LGBT people in affirmative in affirmative ways, um, and and really. Um, it requires that uh, we don't. We need to be able to bridge the gaps so that we're not leaving it up. First, first of all, students need to be informed in general about LGBT issues and the climate of the community that they're in. Um, students need to look at their own personal development and their own identities because we. It's hard for us to work with identity issues with people when we're not um, fully in touch with our own. Uh, identities. And then um, students need to learn how to gracefully bring up these issues and ask about issues because um, we often make assumptions um, and we need to learn how to check our, our, our human brains just make assumptions. We can't help it. And we need to learn how to check out those assumptions so that we're not um, projecting our own assumptions onto clients. And we need to learn how to really gracefully ask.
0: Is this a required course?
2: No, it isn't. It's so
0: a, why? How, how do you market that to a, a, a person studying social work? I mean, you, you, well, you, you, I don't you've have. To. We don't really. What it is, well,
2: but. we don't have to market it because there's many social work students that are very interested in LGBT mm-hmm. issues, and even students who can't take. You know, unfortunately, it's one LGBT specific course, um, and not all students have time in their schedules or um, are you know to be able to take. It's an elective, um, and you. you. You know, it's in general the mission of the School of Social Work is to integrate um, curriculum in all of the courses on um, many communities, information about many communities that are, um, you know, suffer disparity, LGBT communities, uh, communities of color, um, and ethnicity, um, dis- community of disability. Um, we look at aging, we deal with, um, socio, you know, communities of poverty. And, um, so we're always working to integrate, um, uh, any community that would suffer disparity into all of our curriculum. However, um, it's hard to it's hard to do all that. That's a very tall order, and some communities really need these specific courses in order for people who are particularly interested in in um, concentrating on working with, for example, LGBT people, um, when they come out of the school, um, to really have. a a good course that really prepares them, um, to work with these, you know, sensitive issues.
0: Is there a specific um, type of work that a social worker would need to do that would, that would be in this community? For instance, would you want a social worker trained in LGBT issues if they may be working on behalf of a high school?
2: Absolutely. In fact, many, many, there's, you know, there's, it's pretty standard knowledge that a lot of young people start to struggle with sexual identity issues in high school. Um, And, you know, if... Identity theories will um, help us to understand that the first few phases of the coming out process are very private, so that a a young person questions, who am I? Am I different? What does this mean? And they question that all alone inside of their head and inside of their hearts. And that at this stage in the coming out process, um, individuals are very vulnerable because they can get very scared about, um what it means that they may be different, what it means that they may be gay, lesbian, transgendered, or, or bisexual, and that they start to do this questioning process all by themselves. We know that later, um, in the in the you know, um Trajectory really of coming out is when people start to find other people and like minded people and they um, start to be less isolated. But in those early phases is when we see a lot of suicide amongst teenagers um, because they don't have those supports. They're afraid of what it means to be gay. And so um, they. Um, likely we suffer a a lot of teenagers suffer with depression and suicide in those early phases now there's a lot of research that's coming out that's saying our kids are doing better the kids are more more um, able to question these things and more resilient than they have been in the past which may have to do with some of the changing tide um, around lgbt
0: is is education that's happening uh, creating this change across communities
2: yeah. Well, I think that there's um, continu- there. There's growing L- acceptance for the LGBT community with growing awareness because it's
0: education. Because, because of education,
2: because it. of politics, right. because of music, art, because of culture. LGBT, col- there really is a culture, um, uh, a culture uh, that is associated with um, the LGBT community that we can see in many ways. And um, more, there's more societal acceptance. The more societal acceptance there is, the less suicide we're going to see amongst our youth because um, they don't need to be as afraid
0: you have uh you are with students on a daily basis so do you have a sense from some students that they may be of the opinion that they don't need this kind of training they're not going to work with lgbt people
2: well um is the, that right or wrong? well some students may come into the school of social work thinking that but i don't think they leave thinking that um because it's it's really our mission and i i'm sure that i can speak for the faculty in saying that it, it's really our mission to um educate students um, to work with a wide diversity of clients and that um, from the minute they come into the School of Social Work, they start to explore their own position of privilege. Um, they, they explore their own positions of oppression and privilege and standpoints from um, You know, in terms of where they and their histories, like how how much diversity have they had in their histories? What do they understand about themselves? So it's a very challenging program that way. And people who haven't had much exposure to the LGBT community um, will likely have had um, quite a bit hopefully, by the time that they leave the school. My course is really interesting because it attracts a wide diversity of clients. Um, I, no, I'm sorry, not clients, students. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's interesting because I get I get students who have come from some very small rural place. They're quite young. Um, they, they hardly... Ha, know a gay person? You know, they may not even have known someone growing up um, that's a gay identified person. But they're taking the course because they so, they know that they don't know much, and they um, really want to get in there and learn a lot before they get out of the school of social work. Social workers are really quite conscious in general. We're quite conscious people. We like to we like to challenge ourselves. Mm-hmm. We like to find out more when we realize that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get also the students because it's one course um it's only one course i also get the students who are like lgbt activists you know the the uh the people who know a lot about lgbt issues who so, may want to specialize in working okay. with lgbt people yeah, so are i to
0: learn stuff are, are, sure. are is a lesbian or a gay or bisexual transgender person going to learn something oh, in your sure. course that's for how to work with that community
2: oh sure because just because you may be lesbian gay bisexual transgender doesn't mean that you don't have anything to learn about yourself um, it, about working with the community, about and this is a wide diversity of people within the LGBT community. Um, that's the other thing we really try to look at. You know, what's the what are the double and triple jeopardies of, for example, aging um, LGBT people, people of color, people of various ethnicities that may come from um, cultures that are um, more homophobic um, than ours. So um, we. You know, we really uh, look at uh, a wide diversity of of people within the LGBT community, and that's one of the that's one of the tasks of the course is to really take a multicultural uh, approach to the course.
0: You said that your students, at least by the time they're finishing up their training, will already have had hopefully a lot of exposure to the LGBT community just through the course of the people they get to know and everything. Is that a product of of social work itself, or is it part be because it's the University of Michigan and Ann Arbor, or or where where is that well, exposure my coming P- from?
2: Students who go through, who are um, in my course certainly End up with a great deal of exposure, partially because I use the LGBT community, which you, I think makes this course quite unique. Yeah, it's, it's it makes it fun. It makes it interesting. Tell I, me how you use. Them. Well, I usually use about forty different. I usually have about forty guests, <laughs> and over this time of the semester, um, either on panels or um, as individuals, as families. I've asked. I've had families. I had a family for a couple of years where there was a um, young. Um, a trans girl a teenager who was transitioning in high school from male to female, and um, she she came to my course uh, several years in a row, and we really kind of were able to. I was able to follow her transition through and invite her parents in to talk about that. Um, I uh, every one of the one of the best ways I think of educating um, social workers is to have practice, real practice experiences. OK, so that a lot of the people that I bring in, I've been in the community for years, for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I've been in in the LGBT community and I know a lot of people, which is probably one of the perks of being around for a long time. Um, and so I have people that I know that we're not going to hurt them. You know, if, if yeah. some student makes goofs up and makes a mistake, we're not going to hurt them. And people that are friends of mine that are really willing to come in and kind of be guinea pigs. Um, and it's we do role plays with them where um, students will interact with them um, in a um, clinical manner and we we do we have a a chair we have an empty chair where other students if the student gets stuck Mm -hmm. another student can jump into the chair and give that student some feedback and tell them where to go next so we do some timeouts and we talk and we go back into the role play or back into the but what's different about it from standard role plays is in standard role plays a person is actually playing the part of a of another person. And I don't want to do that around the LGBT. I'm using real, authentic authentic LGBT people who are kind enough to come in. And, And I also feel that, you know, this is just a community of a very rich and resourceful community that we have here in Ann Arbor of LGBT folks. And that I, I don't Think of myself as the LGBT expert. I think of myself as a facilitator, Um, and I think of the community as as really the expert. Um, And I like to engage and involve the community.
0: So you bring in, uh, let's say, a a lesbian, or you bring in a gay man, and and, a lot of them, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So you bring them in. Is this the first exposure some of these students have had? Do they kind of look at uh, your guests as? I don't know, something unusual. It or may be or a, it may a spectacle? be
2: it may be the first exposure for a very few students that are in the course. It may be a first experience for more students to really hear a f- story, the full kind of life story of someone who has um, lived in LGBT life, and, you know, we've had LGBT families in, children who are growing up in LGBT homes, parents, we have some dads that come in who've adopted five boys that are wonderful speakers, and, um, you know, we've had, uh, we we, ha- we do a gender spectrum panel where we invite people from all all parts of the gender spectrum, from um somebody who may be kind of a feminine gay man or butch lesbian to someone who may define themselves as transgender, androgynous, not interested in in male or female male pronouns to someone who may be transitioning or or has transitioned from male to female, female to male, transsexual. So we really look at this wide, there's just so much lovely and interesting diversity mm-hmm. in the
0: LGBT community. That's spoken like a true social worker. It, it is. <laughs>
2: I, I'm really, I'm into yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Uh, regarding the course and it being part of uh, uh, optional training, essentially, yes. as part of the social work mm-hmm. program, what, how's, what's the administration's position on this course? Is this an unusual course in a social work program?
2: Um Oh, I wish I could comment on that with more authority about what other programs are doing. Um, I don't. I have always felt supported by the administration. Um, I think that probably the course. I hope I'm not going out on a limb here. I think the course was initiated by student interest, which is something that our school is very interested in. Is what are our students interested in, and um, it it's likely that students asked and, and um, um, spearheaded the, the, this course being a part of um, the, the curriculum. But I can't say enough how much we do try to integrate, and we, we're, we're working on that. We're certainly not, not all the way there, but we work very hard to integrate LGBT issues into all of the curriculum.
0: What is your explanation to students, um, and for that matter I guess the administrators, for why transgendered, is in the same group as lesbian and gay.
2: Well, um, that is interesting, isn't it? Because people do get sexual orientation and gender identity mixed up. A sexual orientation, we, we know, is separate um, and different than gender identity. However, I think that trans people fit beautifully in and really should be at the forefront, mm. the T of the mm. LGBT. Mm-hmm. It really should be T. G, T, L,
3: G, B, whatever. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, but it should start with T. And why is that? Because um, all discrimination against LGBT people is based on gender. I mean, wh- one thing we have in common, um, lesbians, gay men, bisexual people, and transgender people, is that we are challenging gender norms always. In our in, And for LGBT, for LGB people, we're challenging gender norms in our selection of partners and in our in our affectional preference,
0: affectional orientations. selection of partners, affection, uh, affectional orientations, roles, uh, place in society. Absolutely. All these different aspects.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And transgender people are, are challenging, are really at the forefront of challenging gender norms hmm. um, because of the um because of their gender identity challenge, so I think that we belong together, and um, I'm I'm very uh, I'm I'm in feel very um, honored to be in a position to um, share information and teach about um, transgender. I I'm always learning myself, and I've had a few tra- friends that have transitioned that have really brought me through their transitions, and this is one of the ways that I can. Um, I feel I feel uh, grateful that I've been able to be close to transitioning people so that I can really understand um, that that
0: process. Mm-hmm. What is the, uh, as far as the students go, what's the male-to-female ratio? Um,
2: well, the School of Social Work attracts a lot of women. Um, we, we really, we love to have male students, but there are very few male students in comparison to female students. Any idea why? Well... I think it goes back to good old gender roles. Um, You know, women um, have traditionally been in service types of positions, in human service positions, and um, I think that that is still still the norm. Um, I'm always thrilled. I usually have one or two men in my LGBT class.
0: Is it about the same percentage in your class as it is in, in social work generally?
2: Yes, yeah. in general. I usually have two, two sometimes three men in my, in my courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're always um, interested in men uh, taking up the, the, the field of social work.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. We, we will soon return to our conversation with Laura Sanders. You're listening to Closets Are for Clothes from the Gay Radio Collective. Next up is the book report from Keith Orr.
3: Thank you, David, and happy Pride Month. Today I want to talk about a phenomenon in the lesbian literary world. But before I do, I'd like to give a quick save-the-date to everyone. One week from Saturday, that would be June 13th, we're hosting Wade Rouse at Shout Cabaret and Gallery, across the courtyard from Common Language and the Out Bar. Wade is a noted author and memoirist. His latest book is about his move to rural Michigan, called At Least in the City They Could Hear Me Scream. It's a great book, and he's a delightful presenter. Stop on by for the reading and reception Saturday, June 13th at 3 p.m. There are two new books out by great LGBT authors. This week I want to tell about Sarah Waters. Ms. Waters, though unabashedly lesbian, um, has found a wider audience. Three of her books were turned into movies or miniseries quite shortly after their um, introduction. Um, Highly unusual for an LGBT author. She found instant acclaim with lesbian readers with her 1998 novel, Tipping the Velvet. At the time uh, she wrote it, Waters was involved in an academic study about lesbian fiction through history. She thought she'd enjoy writing it more than studying it. So, set in Victorian England, Tipping the Velvet combines elements of historical fiction, lesbian romance, erotica, while exploring roles of gender and class and it was a big undertaking for her first novel. Not only did she succeed in putting all of that together in one piece, she won an instant, large, and loyal fan base. The novel won widespread critical acclaim as well. It's often compared to Dickens for its setting, wide-ranging plot lines, and social commentary. Tipping the Velvet is the story of Nan, an oyster girl, who is smitten with Kitty, a gender-bending stage performer. Kitty is invited to London and brings along Nan as her dresser. In London, Nan joins the act on stage and finally consummates her relationship with Kitty. This is but the beginning of the story. Class, gender, and expectations from family and society propel the novel through many twists and turns, and the reader is propelled from page to page by the interplay of character and place and this is really water's genius she creates vivid characters and places them in a time and place that consume the imagination of the reader her next two novels were also set in victorian england affinity is much darker than water's debut novel it's dominated by spiritualism and depression it is the story of margaret Pryor, an unmarried young woman depressed by her father's death and an overly involved mother she is recovering from a failed suicide attempt she visits a woman's prison and becomes a visitor to try and forget her own troubles. She becomes entranced by a young woman at the pre- prison, Selena Dawes, a medium of the spirits. Her next novel, Fingersmith, is even more Dickensian than Tipping the vol- Velvet. A huge and unusual cast of characters weave through a plot in- of intrigue and deception, plots and counterplots, infants switched at birth, love and lust found and lost... Her subsequent novels are also historically placed but have moved forward to England during and around World War II. What does not change is her focus on lesbian stories and study of issues of gender and class. Watch was a brilliantly constructed novel. She tells the story of a group of women in London during and after World War II. She tells the story backwards. Um, it's a brilliant move because it's really the only way to tell this particular story. Much like the Rosie the Riveter phenomenon in the United States, women got to enter many fields that would not have been open to them during peacetime. And indeed, the novel has women who are in um, careers like ambulance driver and mechanic. Um, A truly delightful book. Her newest book, The Little Stranger, is also set in England around World War II, but she takes on a new genre, the ghost story. It's a dusty post-war summer in rural Warwickshire. A doctor is called to a patient at Lonely Hundreds Hall. Home to the Ayers family for over two centuries, the Georgian house, once grand, is now in decline. Masonry crumbling and the gardens choked with weeds. The clock in the stable yard permanently fixed at 20 to 9. Its owners, mother, son, and daughter, are struggling to keep pace with a changing society as well as conflicts of their own. But are the heirs haunted by something more sinister than this dying way of life? The doctor called. Um, He has no idea how terrifyingly their story is about to become entwined with his. If you have not discovered Sarah Waters, try out any of her novels, and y'all be hooked. This is Keith Orr.
0: Speaking about Sarah Waters. Common Language Bookstore is on the web at glbtbooks.com and their phone number 734 663 0036. I'm David Christopher Meitzler and you're listening to Closets Are for Clothes.
1: Coming directly from the Hilton Hotel, on top of the Hilton Hotel. Your entertainment pleasure. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you're any further left, you'd be watching TV. You're listening to the Gay Radio Collective on 88.3 WCBN FM. Ann Arbor.
0: Write us at closets at gayradiocollective.org. You can also find archived shows on our website or the weekly broadcast on iTunes. King, Until We Felt Red, Gay Sons of Lesbians and Mothers. You're listening to Closets, Are for Clothes. We're back with Laura Sanders, who's a social worker and an educator at the University of Michigan as part of a social work training at the university. She teaches a course to help future social workers learn how to work with and for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered community. Also in the studio with us tonight is uh, Dr. Robert Snyder. Bob Snyder, he is a former international public health planner, father of three, came out late in life, now retired, and also now an activist. Hello, Bob. Hello, David. Glad you could be here with us. Laura, uh, we were talking previously about the, your class, your coursework, and the training these uh, future social workers, and the, the very big role that social work plays, really, in um, just education and community and human development, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the language? Do you teach students about the language, gay versus homosexual, lesbian versus gay, trans versus...
2: Absolutely. Language is, is um, an important piece. In fact, we start out with a fun game in the first uh, class where we I've listed lgbt and we go on and on q q s a d k d and everybody has to try to decipher oh, it wow. because there's so many labels right. and language changes that keep coming up and 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 um that, that are a part of understanding the um lgbt community and why is that i think that i labels Have to do with identity. Identity becomes important because people need to find one another in order Mm -hmm. to have healthy lives. Identity also becomes important for political. For, for political means, to be able to say we are a discriminated group and this is who we are. Um, so But the language keeps changing as the mm. community grows and changes and the political climate changes. So we now know that, you know, the old word hermaphrodite, for example, is, is insulting now to people who have intersex conditions. Mm. Um, we know that, you know, a couple years ago it was okay to say, Um, female to male transsexual, male to female transsexual. And now most trans people prefer trans man, trans woman, because why do we refer to them as somebody who um, they never felt themselves to be in the first place? So language keeps changing. You know, we've we're looking at the changes. You know, there's some advocacy for the change to affectional preference rather mm. than sexual preference, so that we don't completely sexualize LGBT people. So we're always grappling with the language and staying up on that, and help and having uh, students think about that critically is a, is an important
0: piece. The language I, I can see is important, but do these labels become uh, barriers, uh, compartmentalizing in, in some well, ways?
2: Well, I think that's the downside of labeling. Is that it does make people feel like they have to be in, or they are they are in one category. And actually, some of the research about younger LGBT people now is that um, is indicating that they don't like to label. They they refuse to label themselves um, in many ways. Um, but part of that is a, is a vestige of coming privilege because. In the old days, when LGBT people uh, were fighting for their rights at the beginning, not that we, we we definitely still are fighting for our rights, but there had to be language. There has to there had for to be categories for identification to, yeah, uh-huh. to be able to say, yes, I am different, and I still need human rights.
0: Mm-hmm. Could you have used training? Did well? Did you have training like this?
2: No, yeah. I did not have training like this. And even it very, I have a couple of interesting stories that I like to tell my students because they're coming in generally afraid, generally feeling inadequate. Um, it, it, social work is a is a tough. Uh, profession to go into because we are expected to be able to deal very well with people socially
0: and solve the human condition and problems. solve
2: the human condition <laughs> problems exactly so you know I've a, I, I even was um, I I worked as um, the partner of Jim Toy at the when when the um, Spectrum office way back when was called the Lesbian and Gay Advocates Office it started in the, in seventy one and in somewhere in eighty two I became. The lesbian advocate, Jim Toy, started in 1971 and and stayed as the gay male advocate all the way through. And then, and talk about language changes. I mean, that office changed from lesbian and gay advocates office to human sexuality office, you know, to now to the spectrum to the LGBT affairs office to the spectrum office. Lots of changes. Um, But even though I had had that very public position as a lesbian advocate. After I got out of the School of Social Work, I started a small private practice in Ann Arbor. And this was really before we, we um, were as, well, it was before I was as informed about trans issues as I am now, it was about 20 years ago. And I got a call from someone who wanted to see me as a therapist. And I realized after my initial kind of screening call that I did not know what gender this person was. So I thought, okay, well... So
0: the name was very Yeah, the name
2: was, uh, you you know, unisex name. So I thought, okay, well, I'll figure it out when I get to my office. So I get to my office, I shake the hands of the person, and I still didn't know what gender they were. And I started to feel very uncomfortable. And they
0: didn't give you any clues?
2: No, and they gave me no clues. And so I started, I sat down with them, and I thought, well, I'll figure it out through my fancy questioning, which, you know, it's a wrong answer, (laughs) right? Because when we're trying to figure out we're trying to get information in an indirect way, then we're not really joining with the, with the person it's we're it's working a distraction with. It's a distraction. Actual work. Yeah. I'm actually trying to think of fancy questioning that's going to let me know what gender this person identifies with. Rather than being able to, in a graceful way, in a brave and courageous way, ask the difficult question. So what I didn't know how to do is say, I I find myself making some assumptions or being unsure about how you identify in regards to your gender. That's something I still didn't know how to do, I found. And this is really one of the goals, big goals of my um, interpersonal practice training with these students is to help them get comfortable with the language, with the questioning, know that they make assumptions, be aware of their assumptions, help them to, check out their assumptions right there with LGBT people who are in the classroom, um, allowing us to work with them. So it's very... It's very I could have used this kind of training. Yeah, you're Definitely.
0: really giving your students a toolbox with a whole bunch of ways to interface and, and work with the community. And they may be even lesbian or gay themselves, and, and they're just not as experienced. It might be a gay man who's just no experience with, with lesbians, no experience with transgender folks. Absolutely. Folk, you're teaching language. You're teaching attitude. I guess maybe you're not teaching attitude, you are you? You're, teaching, you're, you're suggesting ways of thinking about people
2: yeah well I think people there is attitude on their own there right? is an attitude um, that is important and, and in social workers and that is one of openness and, and non-judgmentalness and curiosity mm. The attitude of curiosity and, and um, intention to support is very very important and I find that um, I, our students come well equipped with that attitude and that and that more information and more skills helps to grow that that um, attitude of of curiosity Mm -hmm. and capacity to join someone and capacity to witness. Um, We're not fixers. We're not there to fix. Um, But we are there to help uh, people find the strengths within themselves and within their families and within their communities. Um, We're there
0: to empower. So social work is not necessarily to to solve the problems. It's more to, to do work.
2: Well, we... Really, it's to empower people. Mm. So we, help, we try to help individuals, families and small groups and communities find their power and make changes from their personal strengths. Mm. Now, we do try to change discriminatory systems. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We try to change the forces of discrimination. That, uh, and, and we try to do that across communities. Um, like there's some interesting connections, you know. Um, I do a lot of activism also in the um, with the immigrant population. We we started a coalition. Bob is on this coalition too, the Washington Interfaith Coalition for Immigrant Rights. And I and and I so often see we're we're basically working with the undocumented population that is being um, raided. Really, a lot of people have been de- detained and deported um, for and separated from their families for simply being here and working hard to make money and support their families and send money home. Mostly the Latino community is the target of this. Um, But there's some very interesting connections, like, for example, this House bill that is being introduced um, by Mike Honda that I read about today, House Bill 6938, and this is an immigration reform bill that is involving that affects lesbian and gay are families. They,
0: are they named specifically?
2: Um, I'm not sure if they're named specifically, yeah. but it's called the Reuniting Families Act, and it is really for, it's about um, when when families are separated by immigration, where somebody is in a foreign country, mm-hmm. and how difficult it is to get a spouse or a family member to this country to join, to, to keep the family together, to join the family. And um, this um, representative is also also supporting same-sex uh, partnerships um, in in this immigration bill. So there's mm-hmm. so you know if there's anything that is similar between these two communities. It's the attack on families. Mm -hmm. You know, I I remember um, having to deal with the adoption system as a lesbian mom um, and um, you know, fighting for second parent adoption and here we are fighting for marriage rights. I mean, it's interesting how these two oppressed communities who seem to maybe have nothing to do with each other really do.
0: Yeah, Because because everything's interrelated and the the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people of all areas in life and in all situations.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So I just you know, we are our our role as social workers is to advocate for these really? reforms. Yeah.
0: Talk to me a little bit about, during your, your coursework and uh, in the sequence of your classes, the, the kind of lessons that you teach on a day-to-day basis.
2: Well, I have a syllabus, and we start kind of with look at your own, learn the language and look at your own identity. Um, and, and we do, we, I, my students write papers about their own um, identity process in terms of their gender identity, their sexual orientation, and then other intersecting um, parts of them like race, their ethnicity, their Status as a bill, abled or disabled people, their socioeconomic status. So we start there. Um, We also uh, look at Diversity issues, so that we're we're always um, keeping an eye on. You know, we're always including uh, the 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 various ways that people suffer disparities within the LGBT community. We look at life cycle issues, so we'll look at t- children, teenagers, look, um, you know, adulthood, mid adulthood, um, uh, aging. We um, so we we look at you know how does how to do, how are LGBT people affected over their life cycle. Um, we. Look Look at family issues. So we, we um, study children who have been um, raised by lesbian, and gay um, people and the condition, you know, the, the, the special issues that they might um, run into. We um, interview and talk to uh, gay fathers and, and, and uh, lesbian mothers, et cetera, and transgender people who have children. Mm-hmm. So we've, we have a few um, adult transgender people who have transitioned and have children that have gone through those transitions with them. We look at disability. We look at um, some of the um, pervasive problems that really cause people uh, issues that really cause people problems like Substance abuse, suicide, domestic violence. We look at health issues. We look at um, HIV and other um, health issues that are prominent and and affect um, no the LGBT of community. Issues. No, <laughs> it, <laughs> it really and is. this is one of the problems <laughs> right. with it being, um, you know, with it being one course is that there's just so much that could be covered. So those are, and we look at romantic relationships and sexual relationships and the variety of types of relationships that LGBT people are in and and what they might need um, in order to um, work through a couple's issue, for example.
0: So we have our guest here, uh, Bob, and he has been one of the members and guests in your uh, class.
2: Yes, he has.
0: Bob, you are uh, a father of three, and you came out late in life, and— and you also uh, are battling uh, Parkinson's right now, so you can right. really cover a lot of areas. Uh,
2: Absolutely and that's what we do. Yeah. We have the student we, we invite Bob. we don't tell them much about Bob um, at first, and we choose somebody who wants to be a social worker working with Bob and then it's they have to assess. The different, the variety of issues that may be affecting Bob, and one of the things, ways, that, one of the things I really like about working with Bob is that he's very open and honest, and he just presents as himself and the issues he's struggling with now. And, and that's
0: that's the key thing about all your guests yes. is that none of them are acting; they're no. all representing who they are as Absolutely. real people with their own real personal issues, like everybody has. Absolutely. And Bob, as a guest in Laura's classroom, have you, your first time you might have been a little nervous, and now it's just like old hat oh, to you. Oh,
1: I've been there about three times, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Yeah? Uh,
0: so you walk in, you, and you see all these glaring
1: faces at you, these interested social workers. <laughs> I see workers all these young, <laughs> smiley, happy faces. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh,
0: How do you feel about being part of that kind of a program?
1: Well, the first thing I feel is uh, I like youth, and so this is a chance to... Circulate around 25, 30-year-olds uh, in the gay community itself uh, Aging is not uh, terribly looked upon terribly uh, Kindly mm-hmm. if you if I put it that way the older you get the less desirable you are That's probably true in society in general, but particularly in the gay community And I, I just enjoy being around uh 30 year olds, 20 year olds, 40 year olds. Uh, I'm, I'm 50, Bob. Yeah, Laura's, Laura's pushing the limit there, but, <laughs> but she's a lesbian anyway. So. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, when you bring Bob in, what's what's your agenda in that class? What, what are you trying or hoping that the students will take out of that class? Well, I'm
2: hoping that they're. What we do first is really think about okay, what. Bob is an aging. Gay man, what might he be struggling with? Let's from from what we've learned already. So one of the prominent kind of intersections with aging is disability. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob has Parkinson's, but it's not real obvious, um, although it causes him a daily struggle. And this would be an important thing for a social worker to uncover. In a in a in an initial session, to find out what is it exactly that Bob is needing and is struggling with. So Bob comes in and says, "Well, I've been kind of
0: blue." Okay, so that's, that's, that's about his, what that's, he gives them, that's right? That's his opener. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've been feeling
2: kind of blue. <laughs> and what's the
0: social worker's response? What the person, um, you know, they they are trained to be a social worker, but what is now their role in this?
2: Well, their role is to find out what first of all that. They're, they probably need to find out, some, they need to build rapport with Bob so that Bob feels comfortable with them. So they need to set a, a standard of safety and openness. They need to be able to find out what is the in, pertinent information and history they need to know from Bob. What, what would be um, some of the... Issues that might be contributing to Bob's blueness. Now, maybe he's feeling depressed. Maybe he's lonely. Maybe he's isolated because these are common experiences for gay men. He, but also depression and blueness is a symptom of Parkinson's. Okay, so they really need to, to to learn, to um, kind of do a very thorough assessment so that they can have all of the information. In order to, in order to engage Bob in any interventions that might help him, to to be to become less blue. So it's actually a big task. Um, and you know they run into problems in how to ask something. Or you know a student who is sitting around the circle may note some may have an idea. You know they oftentimes they forget to ask him about health issues because they're young. Most well, what of What are them. they
0: asking about? How do how do they start out? I mean, it's, well, obviously they have to make they have to make a relationship. So they introduce themselves, and, and right. maybe ask a little bit about who he is and what he's doing and what he's you know. Yeah,
2: different students right. have done it differently. They might right. start out asking him what's making him blue, or they might ask him a little bit about himself first. What, who he is, what you know, who's in his family, who's mm-hmm. around him. So each student kind of builds this rapport and gets this information differently. Um, and that's okay because people bring. Obviously, we're humans. We're in a very human field. We bring our own, we bring our own styles and our own personalities to the work. But the important thing is that they get all the information. Like they can't miss that he has Parkinson's. Okay, so if they don't ask about health issues, then they're going to miss that. And you that's they, you a,
0: mean they shouldn't miss. They need but, to but, not but miss they, it. But they may. Well, not, they may right. miss
2: it. But then another student might might Catch get, it. Sit yeah. in the, jump into that chair yeah. that I talked right. about, that empty chair, and say, you might want to ask him about this. Yeah. Or I might jump into the chair and say, there's, you know, th- think about aging. Think about what people are, are, are um, struggling with as they age so that I can kind of cue them as well.
0: Bob, how do you feel about answering these questions? Are you, are you, it feels like he you must be really revealing very, you know, internal feelings to a classroom of students.
1: Uh I'm old enough that doesn't really give a damn I'm <laughs> revealing t- feelings uh seventy one uh I just enjoy being asked questions mm-hmm. I think a lot of aging people of you I mean, that's that's a terrible i don't like that expression yeah. aging people sound like
0: uh, everybody's aging yeah, it sounds yeah.
1: like a piece of meat or something mm-hmm. that's an aging a steak, but uh,
0: a good cheese.
1: <laughs> a, good, a good wine, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> with, with a good cheese. cheese. <laughs> uh, no, as I think at least as I've gotten older, I really don't care what I say too much. I mean, within bounds. But uh, letting who I am out, uh, I don't view that as an invasion of my privacy an intrusion. Uh so you really uh,
0: see this as a key educational moment for for these uh, students to be, and and you have no problem revealing your uh, your 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 history, your past, your life. What making what makes you blue?
1: It's, uh, you feel it's, you feel safe. It's, it's also cathartic for me mm-hmm. to be asked questions that uh, people in the bar don't ask you, or yeah. people in everyday life. That it, uh, it's getting attention, and uh, I think compassion, concern.
0: Let's talk about uh, golden educational moments that you can recall. Laura, can Mm -hmm. you think of some times and some uh, situations, either with uh, Bob as a guest or in other situations, which have really been... Like well, you, the students all go, oh,
2: well, I I was actually thinking of one that did involve Bob. First of all, I wanted to say that one of the reasons I really love to bring Bob in is that he's incredibly open with his emotions. He's shared his feelings. He's cried in class as he's could because he really is. It's the it real really, deal. He's the yeah. real deal. And. Um, and i think one of the golden moments was when one of the, you know in one of the years that we we did this there was kind of a the, the students missed dealing with health issues kind of missed the the moment of talk of asking him about finding out about his parkinsons which is so important intersection of this disability with aging with uh sexual orientation you know all of these ways in which bob could suffer Uh, disparity and um, you know one of the golden moments was them kind of realize you know kind of kind of just being prompted by other students by by myself cued to kind of figure out that whoa we need to ask him about this the other thing is that I like about Bob and I I think this he presents a a real challenge for students and one of the things that he he allows us to do is he sits there while we this is a word in social work deconstruct him mm-hmm. okay so we look at him as he's an old he's an older guy he's an aging man he's white he has a subst- you know he's not rich but he's a sub- he has a substantial wealth he's got good health insurance okay and so he's got some mitigating factors he has some res- the, some things that bring him some resilience he's male okay and so we kind of put up all of his demographics on the board white mm-hmm. male gay aging you know substantial um uh you know Income, and then we look at well, what if this was shifted up, what if he wasn 't white? what if he had no health what if he was in poverty and had absolutely no health insurance and couldn 't go to the v a for his uh, treatments for parkinson 's because social work really deals with um, people who we, we deal with people who are marginalized in in many ways, and so we 're very interested like I said, in these intersecting um, disparities and so Bob allows us to do that kind of deconstruct him right in front of him and and then he's there present to answer real questions that the students might have mm-hmm. about you know um, the way that he, so not only does he play a role in that he comes in and lets us he he pretends to be a client, or he lets us work with him, but he also answers questions in an educational way for students. And I really like this, this project that we do around mm. deconstructing him and looking yeah. at him, what it would be like for him if he were in different circumstances.
0: Now, we were talking a little bit about uh, what the students are sort of learning and gleaning. Um, in, 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 we have just about 30 seconds left. Can wow. you tell me what you've learned from your students, what golden moments you've learned?
2: Well, my students keep me constantly challenged. I have bright Students who are incredibly um, uh, already skilled who come to the class with their own strengths. Last year, my students wanted to, um, they wanted to shift up the class a little bit so that they could ask some questions that they wanted to ask. So they, they asked me to institute a kind of like, um, you know, everything you ever wanted to know about LGBT but were afraid to ask, mm-hmm. where they would ask questions and every class session we would spend some time kind of grappling with these very difficult questions and and um, so, you know, they just keep me on my toes. And I, I really love that about my students.
0: Well, we have been talking with Laura Sanders educator at the University of Michigan in social work, also Bob Snyder, a guest in the class uh, repeatedly and a very good contributor to Classroom Environment. You can find us on the Internet at wcbn.org and on iTunes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. You've been listening to Closets R for Clothes. Our engineer tonight was Jeff Kitzman. We are the Gay Radio Collective. This is Hillaby. And you're listening to... WCBN-FM.
1: Ann Arbor.
0: 88.3. Bingo.
3: This is Mike Love of the Beach Boys. America, we need to plant more trees. You can make the air taste fresher.
0: Breathe as deeply as you please. Make the world a Protecting our good earth with trees Help the Arbor Day Foundation Plant more trees across the nation Plant a tree
1: today for all the world to share Go online to
3: arborday.org
2: Tasty musical adventure. Tune in to Toss Salad with Vic and Mick every Wednesday from
1: 6 to 9 a.m. only on WCBN, FM, and Arbor.
2: I couldn't sleep at all last ate- night.